the headbanging's not as headbanging. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? My neck's sore. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, that's what I don't. <laughs> Box and brew and you can't even use this. Or maybe you can. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Undercreates Podcast. My name is Alex Krotz, and I'm back here again with my good friend, Mr. Jay Real. Welcome back to the podcast, Jay. Thank you. It's good to have you back here again, once again. And we're doing a uh, more of a, I would call it more of a co-hosted fun chat today. And I wanted to discuss something that came up recently, um, a couple times actually. And I thought you would have a really fun perspective on this as you've had longer in this world than even I have. <laughs> I'm older. That's You're what older. he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a very, I thought it was a really interesting subject. And that is the fact that when, when it comes to music and this is creating, this is enjoyment, this is anything when it comes to consumption of music, especially everybody perceives music differently, perceives the artist's, differently perceives records differently perceives the sonics differently and i don't just mean you know some people have hearing problems and can't hear 5k i'm talking literally they think they have a different uh, emotional association with music and you know as we all know music is a very emotional thing it, it invokes emotion and that's why we like it it, it invokes yeah. different feelings for everybody but it's interesting when you really think about it how different uh, moves that you make when you're mixing a record, especially for us, when we're creating records, we're trying to figure out how is it going to evoke different emotions for the listeners in the end. And it's a tricky thing because everybody is going to perceive it differently, mm -hmm. completely differently. So I wanted to talk about this because I think that a lot of producers and engineers and, and music creators try and think about this to on the nose almost and try and think about it in like, I have to make the perfect pop song or the perfect rock song or the perfect, this genre of song, whatever, any genre. Right. But that's kind of impossible because everybody that listens to it's going to perceive it differently. And that doesn't sometimes even have anything to do with the music itself, but yeah. their life experiences <laughs> and their life, uh, the memories that they have associated with a genre or, you know, I mean, I'll start this off. One of the things that I notice is I, uh, there's a, a band that I, I now absolutely love named called spirit box and they're a metal band. And for the longest time I wouldn't listen to them mm -hmm. because I didn't like the name spirit box that sounded really weird and like hippie to me. Right. And I didn't like their, their whole like, uh, branding. It right. just was very odd to me and I didn't know why, but the name and the branding, just turned me off of it. And I just wouldn't, I, for some reason I just, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll check it out someday, but I didn't. Right. And yet when I finally was like, you know what, I'll give them a chance. And I saw something that was not, uh, their official videos. It, it was a live singing version of the, the singer. She just sang over the track and just live one take all the way through. And she was a little quirky at the beginning, like fun humor in there. And then she sang and she was spot on and perfect and just it was astounding right and then i'm like okay if this is what she's doing 
I got to check the rest of this record out. And so I did. I went and listened to the record and it's now one of my favorite records at the moment. <laughs> but for the longest time, I didn't even listen to it because of the fact that I didn't like the name of the, of the artist. Right. Right. And that's, I don't know why personally, I don't even know why, but <laughs> how does something like that and, and people's perception of music play into you creating music? Do you think about the fact that, uh, you know, people are going to perceive it differently. Do you think about the fact that you're not going to be able to please everybody? So you just go with your most authentic decisions. Did that take a while to get there even? Cause, cause a lot of people I feel take a while to get there. <laughs> oh yeah, I know for sure. I mean, certain projects are genre specific yeah. and you have to sort of fall within the guidelines of that genre. Of course. To a point. Yeah. Of course. But you're always trying to stretch and push and, and move those boundaries so that you come up with something different. Different. Yeah. Um, uh, do I think about it when I'm consciously producing stuff? No, I actually, I don't. I, I come to terms a long time ago that you can't please everybody. Mm. I used to, for example, you know, when I'd write a song, I would let somebody, I would let, you know, 10 of my friends hear it before, you know, when it, before I'd release it or let anyone else, you know, just to get their opinion on it. Yeah. And I stopped doing that because quickly I had 10 different opinions. Yeah. And the bottom line is like a, like a politician, you can't, there's no possible way I can keep all 10 of those um, opinions. I, I can't please them. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So when I'm working on stuff anymore, no, I do it. I work on it to appease, first of all, the artist. Yep. As long as they're happy, I'm happy. But then me, second in line, I, I do it to, to something that makes me feel happy and joyous and and proper. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, same same deal. You give that same said song to 10 different producers, you have 10 different songs. Yeah, literally. But that's kind of, that's the art. It's like looking at a Picasso and some people will go, oh, I love the earth tones and it reminds me of the summery, starry nights of, and the next guy's like, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get it. And that's very prominent that it's very obvious to people in art yes. because that is the, you can look at the same painting. Two people can stand beside each other, look at the same painting and go, I don't get it. And the other person goes, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I love it. I would pay 10 million for this. Right. And the other guy's like, I do not understand this painting at all. It looks like somebody threw up on a canvas. (laughs) Right. But you know, (laughs) but that's the art though. That's kind of, I mean, whether it's music or poetry or art yeah. or painting or um, literature, writing, yep. books, uh, fantasy, yep. science, what doesn't matter. It's all sort of a thought. And, you know, are, are, here here's another way to sort of divide it. Are you Star Trek or Star Wars? Because it doesn't seem to be too many of both. Right. They're yeah. either Star Wars sucks or Star Trek sucks. They were both so popular that they that it touched multiple people. Yeah, I think that's more the key. Unfortunately, in today's times, it's it's more about the number. Yeah, than it is the actual art. Yeah, that the more downloads or the more spins or the more people that have seen your song, or you know, downloaded it, um, YouTube plays, whatever the case, it becomes more of a number. Yep. Than it actually does has to do with the actual art. But totally. the numbers, in the same sense, the numbers kind of reflect that. 
if somebody's more uh, in tune with whoever, Lady Gaga, she's going to have more numbers than right. The next and artist. more people are. There are certain genres that more people are attracted to pop. It it literally goes into our mm-hmm. you know our, our psyche, our our brains are like yes, we like the structure, we like the, the versus jazz, where less people understand it because it's like this all sounds wrong right, <laughs> like yeah. you know it's a different thing tuned? <laughs> yeah. now but okay so so it's a very valid point do you think nowadays that this that, that skew of numbers because i mean you see this over everything to do with modern society frankly when it's mm-hmm. like people want more likes on their instagram photos and more yeah. streams and more this and more that do you think that that chasing of numbers actually waters down the art nowadays when people are trying to make a song that Hmm. appeals to more people instead of thinking about the art because here so so while you think on that this is my kind of thought on this is that for some people it does and it actually hurts the art where you have smaller artists who Mm -hmm. don't know they're they're trying to break in so they go we got to find try and appeal to the most amount of people so that we can get the bigger streaming numbers so that we can get Mm. on bigger tours whatever blah 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 is your plan Mm -hmm. but they're then they go into the studio and they especially if it's a band there's five people trying to make decisions they're all trying to you know widen the spectrum oh yeah of what what their music is covering which then in the end hurts it versus somebody like uh somebody who is very in tune with what they like and they're going full hog on what they like, and they're just, that's their decisions. Sometimes that works out, and mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you get a small niche of very dedicated people, but, I mean, like we all know, with yeah. a thousand true fans, you can make a, a pretty good living yeah. if you have that. However, there are also people who do the same thing, such as Chad Kroger from Nickelback, mm-hmm. who, having talked to many people who uh, have worked with him, that's very authentically him. Mm-hmm. It's also massively popular, but he's not doing it for the popularity. He's not writing the songs going, what is going to be the perfect yeah. song for radio? He writes what he thinks. Yeah. And then it comes out and it's massive. And same with Taylor Swift. I genuinely think yeah. she goes with her instincts. That's how she would manage to pivot from country mm-hmm. to the biggest pop record in the world is because that was authentically what she felt. She yeah. just went with it and it worked. Yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of smaller artists that, that are doing it for the numbers that then it just falls flat because it's not appealing to anybody instead of everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. It, it, it does hurt the art, I think. Why would you want to sound like anyone else anyway? Mm-hmm. Like, why would, I, why would I paint two Picassos that look almost identically the same? Yeah. That's... Well, for forgery to get another million. <laughs> See, there's that. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but relate that same concept to music why do we do that why do we i know i mean i know why we do it it's money yeah like for example check um nickelback they came out whole different heavy tight new process sound it was big and 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 the next year there were five bands that sounded just like that yep and the reason there was is because the record companies knew that they could make money selling that style of music so they so, wanted more of it. <laughs> so therefore they sold out and that's not a true art form because they just basically took the Picasso totally and made a complete recreation of the, uh, of the Capasso. Capasso? <laughs> but you're true, but it's true. And you know, a lot of people, I mean, Nickelback, I personally, I've always really liked them and I've loved their sound and everything, mm-hmm. but they're one of the favorite people's favorite bands to hate 
because they're like, oh, they have, they're radio rock. Well, yeah, but they created the sound. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, they were the first ones. Yeah. And they did well. They did done well. And why is everything still the number one? And why do people go and they still sell out arena tours around the world? Oh, yeah. Because people genuinely enjoy it. <laughs> well, you know, similar thing to back up jeopardizing the art. Mm. I, I honestly believe that we've lost, individuals have lost, not all, not all. Yep. There are some purists that, Chris Stapleton is one, a country guy. He's yep. he's still doing the old country sort of stuff, and he's he's carving his way through. So not this doesn't apply to everybody, mm. but on a on a grand scale, same similar thing. Like when Shania Twain came out, um, you know, most of the females at that time in the genre were doing more of a traditional sort of vibe or sound to the, their vibe. Here comes along this kid from Canada. You know, showing her mid-drift and, and, yeah. and mind you, she had Mutt Lang as a producer. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, but he completely came in and made a female singing rock tunes. Yeah. What happened was, because she was the first female to do that, and then once she shot to the top, yep. the next year, all of the other females were now doing rock songs. Yeah. Because... Shania changed what country people were listening to. Yep. So that, now I'm not saying that they sold out per se, but to answer your question, yes, it, it does affect the final outcome because now you're not being, I, you're not being as true to your art or yourself if you're contemplating seeing the numbers on your Spotify and YouTube go exactly. up. Exactly. If if you're all about the numbers, then then you're you're playing the game. Yeah. But if you're a true artist, you don't care about numbers. A good band does think about their fans and mm-hmm. go, "What do our fans? They're not, you know, to a degree they want to. They're satisfying themselves, but they're also thinking, "What are my fans going to enjoy? Maybe yes. not. I'm going to make the same record because I know they like the last record. Yeah. The fans want more." And you're going to lose some fans and you're going to gain new fans. Yeah. That's how it works. And they know that, but they're like, okay, we're not going to completely pivot and do it. You know, we're a hard rock band and now we're going to do a jazz record because we started playing jazz. Right. For fun. They don't do that. They would go, okay, we'll make a new band (laughs) for that. This one is this thing. And, but they, you know, bands grow and develop and that's very important. Mm -hmm. But, but even like a really good example. And I mean, I'm using rock examples, Yeah, but Bring Me the Horizon, they used to be a deathcore band. And now they're one of the biggest rock bands on pop radio. (laughs) And they've slowly developed their sound and they've slowly changed. But when you talk to them and you talk to Ollie, the the lead singer and the, you know, the guitar player who does a lot of the production, they genuinely are just doing that because they're interested in changing. Yeah. Not... What's going to get us more popular? Mm-hmm. They don't. That's not why. Now, similar, very similar. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there are a handful of artists that have learned to grow with their audience, which is basically yes. what you're saying. Yeah. Like Madonna, when she came out, you know, um, oh God, uh, Holiday, all that stuff. It was yep. like 1988, and it was teeny bopper pop music and all that stuff. But I mean, she's had a 50 year career in the music industry, but it's because 
you know, every eight or 10 years, she kind of, now she's doing a rap, like she changes, she, she changes, grows. she grows with her audience as opposed to, uh, like say a kid star yep. who maintains singing kid songs, but then they're all of a sudden they're 32 years old and they're still singing kid songs. It doesn't work now. Now, part of that, do you think has to do with, cause that's a very valid point. Part of that do you think has to do with the suits <laughs> who are looking at the numbers and look at the, cause, cause bands who can maintain a long career mm -hmm. and it works for a long period of time. Yeah. Right. They are developing with their audience. They're slowly changing, like bring me the horizon. They're changing cause yeah. they want to do that versus some bands who they seem to keep putting out the same record after time, after time yeah. sounds to, like to the fulfill their five record deal. Yeah. Yeah. And the record labels like, no, 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 we, we want that. That's what we want. Yeah. We don't want this other stuff. We don't stuff. want new stuff. We want that. Yeah. They end up falling flat after a while and yes. you don't hear about them or they're one hit wonders or because they try to chase the same thing yes. versus the people that keep coming out and yeah, they lose fans, but they're like, I like this. Yeah. I'm going to change. I'm, I'm growing. They're growing well, themselves hopefully the idea. and their fans are also growing. So they're all growing together. And that's the key. That's the point. Yeah. But they're not being held down by the suits who are thinking of the numbers. Uh, I was taught in engineering school, and you uh, we went to the same school. Yep. So I'm, I'm not sure if the same teacher was involved at this particular point or not. But um, I also know that with radio, mm. the more times a song is played and you hear a certain song eight times in the day, you perceive that song as being better. Yep. Even though it's... Maybe it may not be. It doesn't matter. But there's where we lose the art is that you're not deciding whether that's a good song. Yep. You're being force fed this song so many times on your favorite radio station that you believe mm -hmm. that that's a great song. But you're not making up your own mind. Right. You're being manipulated right. into thinking this is a great song. Totally. So I think that messes with the art a lot too. Absolutely. Now, do you think then... Speaking of which, yeah. nowadays it's a little bit different in the way that radio is not the prime means of people listening to music anymore. It used no, to be true. back in the day of the Stones. You basically had the Stones, Motley Crue, the Beatles, and Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That's like, true. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they would pump <laughs> millions of dollars into putting this on radio, and it would be on radio, and that's, that's who you'd hear and you'd get force fed. There was, there was only that way to listen to it. So you yeah. figured it was a great, great music. Yeah. Um, and if you're, if you grew up in that era, you have this, this attachment to a lot of those old artists that were from then classic rock and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Part of that is probably because of exactly what you just said, where you're, you heard it a ton. Cause that was literally all there was <laughs> that was getting to you. That's it. But nowadays with streaming, you can pick what you want to hear and you can hear that a million times and you can find new genres and new artists because of that, that aren't being as forced. Obviously there's curated playlists and all this kind of stuff, but you still have more of a choice than you've ever had before. That's true. That's a good point. So is that opening now? Is that going the other way and that's opening up the art? It should be. Yeah. In theory. It, in theory. It's opening up the possibility for art, I suppose. It, it is. It is. It, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes. But, you know, there's still... Uh, I mean, we all share the same 12 notes. 
we just do. That's it's the same twelve notes we Literally. all get to share with. Yeah. However, but somebody that's into country is going to remain listening to the country genre. Yes. So they may get introduced to more and different eclectic country genre, mm-hmm. which is opening up their artistic views on music. Yep. Or feeling the different emotions that you might feel from all these different artists. But there's still a whole other big sea and ocean of music that share the same 12 notes that they won't like. Totally. And and is that geographical? Is that because they grew up on a farm? Is that because they... I'm not trying to, you know, stereotype or anything, but you know what I mean? Like everyone oh, has yeah. a genre which is influenced from previous existence. Like, for example... Okay, this is maybe not the greatest example because being a music producer, I'm kind of... I, I try and listen to whatever I need to. Yep. To, like if I'm doing a Bossa Nova record, I'll listen to a bunch of Bossa Nova music before yeah, I do it. Totally right, but so that's different. Our our job is a little bit different. But uh, when you have like when growing up, of course, um, my parents listened to a lot of country music. So at home, that's all I ever heard. Yep. So the rebellious part of me when I got into school, grew my hair long, and started listening to Van Halen. Right. <laughs> and. But still listening to country. Yep. And then when I got into the music industry and started making money at it and playing, you know, gigs and jobs of source, I started in the country field. But ironically, at the time, the country field paid more than the rock field did. Right. At at that level. Not I'm not talking arenas, stadiums. I'm yeah, talking yeah, yeah. clubs and just, you know, working weekends and whatnot. But both of them were an influence. So I got the influence from mom and dad of the country. And then of course being in school and being with your friends in high school, of course, they did not listen to country. Mm-hmm. So I got a wide swath of Motley Crue, Van Halen, you know, the 80s, Hair Rock, Poison, yeah. yep. all that stuff. And so moving on, it's funny, I, those are still two of my favorite genres. Right. I'll listen to grunge and I, I understand it or rap or opera or any of the other genres but it's not something i would necessarily just listen to for something to do right it's interesting because when i when i was growing up in different era but my my parents and stuff listened to a lot of like enya and diana crawl and right that kind of stuff and i when i was first started growing up I love Diana Krall. Yeah. That was, oh, she was amazing. And yeah. I, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And again, as I got into school, it started to become Nickelback and some 41. Yeah. And Avril Lavigne. And like, I was a punk kid kind yeah. of like, I, you know, I wore the studded belts and the studded wrist things and the yeah yeah. that was my (laughs) oh yeah and like i was the guy that had the slicked over hair long hair that like i gelled within an inch of its life and (laughs) that kind of stuff because that's what Uh, i was listening to that's what i was influenced by at that point and to this day i still love some 41 (laughs) you know what i mean but it a different thing but you are definitely influenced differently mm-hmm. by what you're surrounded by and by how you rebel, I suppose, oh, as you're growing age. up. I noticed uh, that's the other thing. I think that age has a big factor in this, yeah. too, that as you as you get a little older, the headbanging's not as headbanging. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? My neck's sore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
but you know that that I think that's a factor too. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, not just well geography, right? Obviously, if you're born in Brazil, you'd be into Brazilian, you know, yeah. uh, calypso. You know that that it, it's a different world. Totally. So geography has a has a factor in what you perceive as uh, music that makes uh, emotional music. Yes. Let me rephrase that. Now, do you think? As uh, as people who <laughs> were in this for sonic reasons, do you think that the sonics of a record influence because you're a producer and because you're an engineer and because you're a music maker? Do you think that influences how much you like a record as well? Now, not from a nostalgia point of view. That's a different thing, to I think. But when you hear a new a new song or a new record or a new artist... Do you think the actual sonics and the quality of the of it influence how you hear it or how how you enjoy it personally, I guess? Good one. That's really cause, good. Cuz I know for a, you know, I can we're very good at saying this is a demo or this is an iPhone recording but the song is good. Yes, I'll record that because yes. the song's good. We're really good at hearing song. that. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of people aren't Good if they hear an iPhone scratchy recording and go, oh, that sucks. Whereas we can differentiate that. However, on the other end of the spectrum, do you think that a professional finished recording that doesn't sound as good, does that hinder your personal enjoyment? Personally? Yeah. Personally, no. Okay. Interesting. I don't, I don't think it does. Um, I think that it's, I think it's sort of band specific, you know, like for example, I mean they were still great sonic records, but I mean, you know it's a Van Halen song. Yes. Because of the players. Yes. Even if it was an old like a, a sure fifty seven they recorded with or a U U eighty four, it wouldn't matter at that point the tech the technical sonic quality of the recording because you you just know that well that's David Lee Roth, that's Eddie Van Halen, yeah. that's 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 them. Kind of like you mentioned, we talked earlier before the cameras were on, but like, you know, similar to like Rolling Stones, like they had their own sound. Yes. Which, when they started and became big, was not as near as sonic or fidelic as today. Totally. But, to be honest, back then, there was less to pick from. Like, there was only a handful of rock bands that were on the charts. Right. Now with Spotify and all these streaming, there's hundreds of thousands of people it's all competing totally. for that spot. Where back then there was ten bands, right? But that so that's kind of what I'm saying. If back then, like it makes sense, and I know a lot of people love the Rolling Stones and love the old recordings and mm-hmm. stuff, and are very nostalgic to that because that's what they grew up on. And I'm the same way. Yeah. When I listen to old records that I loved, I'm like, Holy crap, this is not recorded. Well, or this is out of tune or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I loved it back then. Cause that was the best we had. And that was the bands that we had. Yeah. But if the Rolling Stones recorded the way they were in the seventies came out as a new band today, would it influence people's, uh, I see what perception you're, yeah, 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 yeah. of it. Uh, because it's it would sound probably kind of crappy. I, I but would yes, I think again on the general public. Yeah. For me, no, because I'm listening more for content than I am sonic fidelity. Okay. Knowing that that can be fixed or changed or re-recorded. Right. But again, to answer the general 
masses, it would be an influence. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, like it it unless you're doing some like underground culty oh, kind of thing. That, totally. Which there's different there's there are definitely genres that come out now that are sound like garbage, but people love them because that's because the it genre. sounds like garbage. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about garbage the band. I'm talking literally yeah. it sounds bad. Yeah, yeah. But that's the point. If you put out a pop track yeah. that sounded like the big records of the seventies and sixties, yeah. People would be like, what is this? Even if it was literally the perfect pop song in every other sense of the of the structure, words, everything else. Yeah. It would people would still be like, what is that? Sounds, that? sounds, sounds bad. Weird, right? Well, you know, it's kind of it's kind of filtered over, I find, a little bit. Um to a point, but like everything is so tuned and so perfect mm-hmm. in today's world because every note's been manipulated, yeah, moved, put on the grid. As somebody who proudly does that <laughs> for a living, right? Well, yeah. but that, but I get it. But that's the sound. That's yep. the sound. And that's what people have been accustomed to because of once again, it's been. It's drilled been into drilled you. into them like his perfect is better, and it is when it's perfect. It's better, well, perfect. <laughs> it's right? perfect. Yeah, but unfortunately, aside, uh, 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 what's the word? A uh, byproduct of that. Yep. Now, when a lot of people that are avid music listeners that are so used to listen to this perfect music, when they go to a club or a bar or pub and they see a single there's a just a single guy playing his acoustic and singing and he's really good yeah but he's not perfect yeah i hope that doesn't i find that some people don't quite get the correlation to some of the live stuff i hope we don't lose that sonic yes interest in the fact that we're so used to listen to everything's being so perfect Mm -hmm. that people go in and go well this sucks i'm leaving I see. I don't think that that's going away. I think that um, it almost helps in a sense because, to me, yeah. I'm a I love sonically perfect things. Yeah. I am a huge proponent of everything edited. The massive kick drums with. I mean, I'm a rock guy too. Yeah. So it's rock influenced as well. Yeah. Um, or in the rock genre. Yeah. But I love modern metal that's like so locked to the grid and like drums are most of them aren't real and sampled and tuned yeah. and layers upon layers upon layers of perfectly uh mixed tracks of stuff like I love yeah. layers of, and all that kind of stuff. And it can't be pulled off live. I love watching certain bands live cuz they sound pretty good and they, they might sound different but they sound good. They, yeah. They're not the record. Yeah. But they they're fine. They're good. They're good songs. I'm attached to the songs. But I do really like going into a bar and watching some guy who, this goes around back to the beginning of our conversation, uh, yeah. is playing authentically what he w- wants to do and what's good for his voice and what he, you can tell he believes what he's singing. I believe you can tell that. So when you see a singer-songwriter who's not perfect, yeah. but who's got a guitar and a, and a vocal, doesn't sound f- the best, but you authentically go, man, he loves this. Yes. I'm still drawn to that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can be tuned and you drawn can be drawn to fixed, the emotion, the art, of but the, I'm the drawn emotion. to the emotion of that artist's yeah. work yeah. still. And I think that that still holds a big sway and people do almost now because everything's so perfect. 
are drawn towards some of this imperfect hope, well, stuff. As you were saying, there's this, you know, like the, the big underground. Everybody loves me- being part of the music. underground. <laughs> like, yeah. Right? And it's yeah. like, well, no, that's good. That, I hope that I, I really do because uh, I, I do know that with the technology and of course we evolve, music yep. evolves, production evolves, artists evolve. I like the people that do their own thing mm-hmm. and don't recreate Nickelback. Right. Or Shania or... Yeah. Or the major sounds. Like, I'd rather somebody be their own person. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a handful of them. Totally. They're hard to find sometimes. Yep, yeah, but they exist. But they do exist. And that, to me, that, to me, getting back to the original question about the art. Yeah. That, to me, those people are not obviously selling out to the number. No, they're being authentic. And yeah. I, I, and I, that, I, like, I believe I like that. that that does play a the biggest role of anything mm-hmm. as somebody who likes processed stuff. You can, I can still tell when it's like this band doesn't enjoy this. There's, they're just making this and they've been manipulated, really manipulated because they don't know what they're doing or they don't care. Or they can't play right. Versus it's been manipulated to take it to the next level, but this is still them. Yes. Kind of like Nickelback. It's manipulated. There's no question. Oh yeah. No, that's processed. But it's still the writing and and the and everything surrounding it is still that's what he and and frankly that's how i feel about my own music mm-hmm. i live for editing my vocal and making it perfect right i love that sound right and i love making my guitars like locking in a bunch of layers and making the harmonies exactly perfect i don't like my own sound when it's not like that but right. when i hear it like that it's not that i'm a bad musician. It's just that I, that's what gets me that's what excited. Makes you excited. That's what, um, um, the, that's the emotional, that's the part emotional again. part to yeah. me is that, and that might seem counterintuitive to some people, but that emotionally hits me where I'm like, Oh, that sounds so good. I love the Sonics. Yeah. Whereas some people, and I, like, I think see, you're, I'm, you're drawn towards the I'm natural. The opposite. Yeah. I like it to flow and I like it to yeah. be not as tight. Exactly. And, but they're, we're both right. That's the it's nice totally. thing. Totally. That's the thing about art. Again, we're standing looking at the same picture. Yep. And I might love it and you might go, I don't get it. Yep. But that's the beautiful thing about art. It's so subjective, right? Totally. And and we're both right. It's how you got influenced as you grew up. Mm-hmm. It's everything to do with anything in your life. Yep. Because I listen to, I'm going to get hate for this, but I listen to the Rolling Stones and I listen to Motley Crue and I appreciate what they've done. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. But I listen to the records and I'm like, oh my God, I it hurts i don't like it i I don't it's i don't get it yeah and i know tons of people absolutely love them and it's the best thing ever i didn't grow up in that era yeah so to me it just doesn't sound good some of the songs are great they still have good writing here and there but even some of the writing i'm like this part is too long yeah why is it so long because i grew up in a in an era of four bar sections yeah. and then there's a change yeah. and they don't have that they don't have the perfection of of the modern digital tools yeah. of of making everything and that's fine but the, i think that goes back to how well, we grew up you grew up more in that era absolutely. versus me and wh- wherever it goes from here whether it suddenly goes back to unedited whether it goes right to the next level of editing, which who knows, but it, it doesn't really matter. The point is it's going to keep evolving. Yes. And I think, uh, to kind of encompass the whole thing and the kind of reminder that I guess I want people to, to remember from this yeah. for music producers and engineers 
is an artist's when you're, when you're making your music and when you're making music with other people, the, the biggest thing is be authentic to who you are because Sonic's and the perfection of everything clearly doesn't matter yeah. because it's how people are going to perceive it. So the only real like North star in a production and in a songwriting and in anything is how you and the artist and the producer and the team making it, the small team making it feel about it at yeah. the time of making it. And that's the biggest thing that I think comes out. Like we said, the guy who has a guitar and is authentically, that's his thing. That's his, yeah. That will stand out just as much as the biggest production known to man. If they are also authentic about it. Yes. I think that comes across more than literally anything else Yeah, to do with in any genre and any production trick <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is, yeah. is the authenticity of the artists. And I think that's, what's going to make or break a production. more Absolutely. Than anything else. Emotion to me, if the singer, current day, old school, I, it doesn't matter. At this point, now we're not talking about technology. Yeah. If if the singer doesn't sell the emotion of what it is they're singing, it's over. Exactly. Period. Yep. For example, the Beatles. Yeah. They still have some of like the number one and two records of all time. And they didn't have tuners and no. processors and... They played it live. They sang all together. But again, it was that emotion that was captured. And the performance is what sold the song. Yep. And that still remains, I th- I think, totally in any genre, even current day or 100 years ago. Yep. If you're not selling it, I'm not buying it. Totally. Period. Exactly. And you can have all the tuners and all the guys lining stuff up you want. But if if the singer's not crying when they should be or not excited when they should be, yeah, it's a dud. Okay. So, so to wrap this up, cause I think that's just absolutely amazing and a good reminder to people to really go with what you feel and your emotion towards it and, and everything. And, and it will find its place. It will, especially be open-minded though. Be open-minded. Try and be as open-minded as you can. Totally. And I think it's, I think it's the collective, uh, of the people creating it. If you're one person, then great. That's what yeah. you're doing. If it's a team, Great. Maybe not. Uh, I have this in a different uh, episode about, you know, don't don't try and have too many cooks in the kitchen because then you have too many opinions and it's not going to go anywhere. Yes. But that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> that's true. But, Great questions, by the way. Thank because you. Because it, it's something that I've never really thought about. Yeah. And, and when you pose some of those questions, it's like, hmm. That's really interesting. <laughs> That's good. Well done. well done. I want I want people to think about that, and I want people to really think about themselves and why they like something and why they don't, and, and especially as an artist, why are you trying to do something in your productions? Why are you trying to do something in your songs? Yeah. Is it because you're trying to chase the numbers? Is it because you're trying to, you know, get the next big song and you think that the, a four-bar verse into a two-bar pre-chorus that lifts by a fifth is going to do it? Or is yeah. that how you genuinely feel is good f- for this song? Right. Uh, and I think people need to be reminded of that and go, you know, th- really understand why they're making certain decisions that they're making. Yeah. Um, to, to, again, get back to the art. I yeah. think people, there's definitely people that don't think about it the right way and do it for not the love and the joy right. and the whatever of creating the art and are looking at it from the more analytical perspective. Right. Uh, and I, I genuinely believe that hurts music, but... I think that there's people just need to 
<laughs> chill out yeah. and think about it as art and it'll especially nowadays it'll find its place there's more technology now available oh, yeah. now to create great sonics and great recordings and great stuff put a whack of it out there and get it in front of more people yeah as much as we hate streaming and what it's done and all yeah. this kind of stuff and i talk about that a ton but it has allowed and the internet in general websites everything has allowed for more people to get their hands on more music mm-hmm. in the genres they like and go to what's gravitates towards them and mm-hmm. share more music than ever before that's true which means that now is is the best time ever to to be genuine to your art form because you can be and it will find or can find an audience more yeah. than it ever could before so that uh that is it I think that's a good place to end for this episode. Thank you, Jay, for joining us here. Thank you. And uh, I will catch you in the next episode of the Anacreates Podcast. Thank you guys for listening and for watching. If you're over on YouTube, leave a comment. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below and join the conversation because I think this is a a really interesting conversation. Everybody's going to perceive it differently. But let me know how you think about this and how you perceive music and what you think maybe influenced you growing up or in your everyday life that influences you and maybe a certain record. I'm interested to, to hear if you have a certain record that you know isn't maybe the best record or you know isn't the perfect Sonic record, but you just love it because of a certain event in your life. Maybe it had to do with your significant other or a dance or for me, it used to be, I did dishes with my grandma and I always had this record on and that still genuinely, I love it. So I'm curious to see in the comments below what you guys, if you guys have any of those. So let me know over on YouTube, go check that out. Uh, if you're listening to the audio only, then you're going to have to go over there because there's no comments on the audio <laughs> version of this, but thank you guys for joining me. I will see you in the next episode until then always be creating. Oh,